Good morning, everybody. I want to make a special welcome to anybody who is new to the church or fairly new to the church. I hope you feel very comfortable this morning and that you're enjoying the service and you will enjoy what I have to say. Um, I'm hoping... Ah, there we go. I'm going to read the reading that this is based on, first of all. I was invited to speak because I'm a woman. (laughs) No other attributes needed. Um, I would like to say that this is about two women, but if any of the uh, gentlemen in the congregation feel that they may like to fold their arms and have a kip... I would like to say that there is something in it for you. Um, I, it reminds me a little bit of my uh, when I was working with a behaviour management team, which Liz Farley was also involved in, and we did some uh, we did some work with teach, uh, people who were about to step into the lion's den of the classroom on behaviour management. So we we used to go into the colleges and have a lecture theatre of perhaps 100 or so students who usually were very interested because some of them knew what they were in for. So they'd be scribbling notes and looking and taking notice. And I, and I noticed one time when I went in, right at the back of the lecture theatre, there was a bloke who, when I told what the subject was, he scuffled around in his bag and took out a great big broadsheet newspaper <laughs> and read it for the whole of the lecture. And I thought to myself, well... You, I hope that your career, that, well, I, maybe you think you'll never find a child who's misbehaving, but in fact, uh, I knew that that was not true. So um, this is for all of us today. So let's um, open our ears and see what this important message is about that Paul is uh, telling in his letter to the Philippines. Therefore, my brothers, you who I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord. Ah, we've lost a few verses. I'm going to read it from my own Bible, because there's a bit before this. I'm not sure this is verse one. Did I? Maybe I cut and pasted this wrong. I do apologize. There you go. There's a really important bit here. Well, don't worry about it. I'll just read it to you. And if if any of it um, is already up there, just write. Okay. My dear brothers and sisters, I love you and I want to see you. Oh, this wonderful man, Paul, says clearly, I love you and want to see you. You bring me joy and make me proud of you. Continue following the Lord as I have told you. So from the start of this love, then comes this important message. Eudea and Syntyche, you both belong to the Lord. So please agree with each other. For this I make a special request to my friend, who has served with me so faithfully. Help these women. They worked hard for me in telling people the good news, together with Clement and others who worked with me. Their names are written in the book of life. So we get the sandwich of Paul's love for these people. 
we get the message of bringing together Eodia and Syntic, and then we get the other part of the sandwich where he tells them to always be filled with joy in the Lord. I'll say it again, be filled with joy. Let everyone see that you are gentle and kind. The Lord is coming soon. So that's the reading that I have been asked to speak about today. Well, these women were very significant in the church of Philippi. They were known to Paul, um, probably very good friends of Paul, and had been involved in this vital work of spreading the good news to the early churches. And, you know, what blessed people, what wonderful women they are, that they've been doing this. You know, look at your own um, everyday lives and think... How much involved am I in doing this incredible work for the Lord in letting other people know about the gospel? Maybe they even, it doesn't say it, but maybe because they'd been so involved in this um, early spreading of the gospel, they may have been in some form of leadership. But they needed help. Paul recognized that they needed help. They needed somebody to lovingly come to them and help them back into a relationship. We know that they are the Lord's. They uh, belong to him. What amazing people. Now, when I was looking at this, I'm thinking, why does Paul actually take the trouble to write about this in this, les- in this letter. Why is it in the Bible? Often when I'm looking at the Bible, I think, why is this bit included? Why is it so important? And I think it's an absolutely vital lesson to all of us. If you've ever had a bit of a, a misunderstanding with someone or a bit of an argument, it is, just spoils your peace of mind. It spoils your peace of mind and it spoils the other person's peace of mind. It also spoils the peace of mind of people around you. Oh, we better not put those two together because they don't get on, you know. It can actually um, spoil the work of the Lord, perhaps before they were supporting each other in the work of the Lord and now they're not able to do that. They love the Lord, they are the Lord's, and they know that this is not pleasing to the Lord. I I believe it may be breaking their hearts. And I think it might be breaking the hearts of other people around them who also love them. I also believe that it has an impact on other people who are to do with the church. If you come into the church and you find, well, there's a bit of an issue with those two, are you going to want to come back to that church? I think we really have a responsibility to uh, nurture a loving atmosphere in the church itself. And Paul was wanting there to be joy in this church. At the end of these five verses, he's talking about he wants joy for them 
What joy is there if there's a, an argument or a misunderstanding or a silence between two people? It doesn't tell us very much about the argument, but it seems as though they're stalemate. If we look at our own lives and maybe think, you know, how do I get out of this? This is just something that's got a bit deep. What is a disagreement? Is it big or small? We don't know, and by now they probably don't even know what it was about. The solution for them, in Paul's view, and I can't argue with Paul, um, they need somebody to come along and help them. And they need somebody kind who can come along and help them. They need to focus on Jesus Christ and, um, and the truth of the gospel. They need to get back immersed in that gospel of love, which I do think they are, and that's why I think it's breaking their heart so much. They actually also need to get over themselves. They need to have love and joy And that's missing for them. They need to forgive. And God will do the impossible if our heart is in the right place. Our heart is our will. And if their will is in the right place, God will help them to do this. I just thought of a practical thing. Maybe have a a bit of social time together. Maybe have a cup of tea together or something like that. Uh, Possibly even a glass of wine, if that helps. Now I'm going to look at it... um, Now I'm going to look at it from Paul's point of view. Paul himself had experienced the hurt of a broken relationship. Um, We find in Acts chapter 15... Well, would you believe it? The bit that fell out was from Acts. I've now got to find Acts 15. Uh, Not far away. Here we go. Here we go. Right, Acts chapter 15, verse 36. Um, A few days later, Paul said to Barnabas, we should go back to all the towns where we told people the message of the Lord. We should visit the believers to see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to bring John Mark with them too. But on their first trip, John Mark did not continue with them in the work. He left them at Pamphylia. So Paul did not think it was a good idea to take him this time. Paul and Barnabas had a big argument about this. It was so bad that they separated and went different ways. Barnabas sailed to Cyprus and took Mark with him. Now, from that, we don't actually have any indication as to how Paul felt about that. I guess this serious argument between the two of them, this quite nasty Barney with Barnabas, was actually something that grated on his, his um, love life, if you like, his loving life. And I think that... Paul really understood 
what these two women were going through. He had been there. He knew what it was about. Um, and I think he felt desperately sad for them, actually. Not only um, with the effect that it was having on the church, but I think he really had a broken heart for these women that he knew and that he had um, worked with. Paul clearly didn't want this church to be upset by it. He wanted to, the believers to always be filled with joy. He had this passion for this church. And he, he knew what, it, what could happen. He wanted them to be gentle and kind so that everyone could see um, that they are gentle and kind people. And that anybody coming in would see that they're gentle and kind people. I believe Paul really loves them. He said he loves Philippi, and I, they are important in Philippi. And I believe that Paul has a passionate love for these women. They bring him joy, but Eudia and Syntic could take some of that away from him and from some of the other people in the church, which he was so concerned about. Paul, in his absolute wisdom, recognized they needed help. So he'd requested uh, a, a particular friend who had served, served faithfully and that he could trust to be mediator. Now, I think that's really important. We don't just want anybody who's going to join in with the argument. We don't want somebody who's going to take a side. We don't want somebody who's easily moved to being a little bit aggressive themselves. We want somebody who is peaceful, who knows and loves the Lord and loves these two women. So the choice of who this would be, I, I think, is really very important. Paul's attitude to them? Any finger wagging here? No. He wants to help them. He wants to love them. He wants them to have joy. He loves the work they've done, telling people about Jesus. He said, they worked hard with me. So they weren't just sort of on the sidelines, um, you know, handing out a bit of this and that. They were actually involved and really worked hard to help people understand about God. So they are great women. And they're very precious to Paul and to the church. Now, how about us? How, how does this relate to us? Talking about two women uh, in early times. So many years, perhaps this church was, I think, maybe about 11 years old or so. So very early days. Um, in our day, how does this relate to us? How is your love life? Bit of a personal question. How is your loving life? Let me put it that way. Are you feeling rejected by anybody or by the church? Or by a group of Christian people that you might meet with? Are you feeling abandoned by anybody? Are you feeling lonely? Do you shoot straight out because no, you think nobody's going to talk to you? Are you feeling hurt by anybody? Are you feeling 
a bit misunderstood because you can't always put it exactly as maybe you'd like to put it. Are you unfairly criticised? Are you unable to forgive somebody? I'm asking this with my love for this church. I'm looking at you now and actually I'm experiencing your love to me. And I'm really grateful for that. I've experienced great love from this church in the past and in the present. And, you know, whatever sort of person I am, people have managed to cope with me, which I'm very grateful for. (laughs) I'm going to turn that round and say, quite carefully and tactically, are you aware that you maybe have not necessarily purposefully, but have you rejected somebody? Have you accidentally abandoned somebody? Have you spotted somebody who might be lonely but been too busy to do something else? Have you hurt somebody? Have you not investigated whether you've hurt somebody? Have you misunderstood somebody? Did you need to go back and just clarify that? Have you unfairly criticised anybody? Have you been unable to forgive somebody? Again, this is asked with love. No wagging fingers. Have you ever clashed with a leader in the church? Have you ever thought that maybe somebody could do something a little bit better? Have you ever been a bit frustrated with anybody in leadership? Are these two women in leadership and are they clashing with different ideas that they have? Do they think something should be led differently? Again, is it something they can even remember? Probably not. When we look into deep-seated um, breakdowns in relationship and you go right back if it's a, maybe a family that's broken up you go right back to 20 years ago they've got no clue what it was about but I, um, I feel really strongly that we need to get this right because we need to have people from the outside of the church coming into a church that's absolutely loving when I go and talk to people uh, maybe on the street or whatever. Poor old Johnny gets, has to, he's stalled often when I start chatting to people. When I'm chatting to people, there are two reasons why people are not Christians. Number one, they've never met a Christian. Number two, they have met a Christian. <laughs> Actually, there are quite a few more reasons why people are not Christians, but we won't go there. Anne Pritchard, who used to do some preaching here, was a very beloved friend of mine, and I got so much out of her preaching. And I can remember the day that Liam was going to announce that he was leaving this church. I don't know whether she knew that he was going to say that. I believe she possibly didn't, because this news came as an absolute shock to the whole congregation. And I, I, 
I, do, I, I feel that her words were totally inspired by the Lord and they've stuck with me. And she said, if you've got a leader or somebody who's trying to do something in the church, don't criticise them. Offer help. And I, I just feel that that could make a difference in the church. I also think that most of us are naturally peculiar. Um, we can't expect to get on really well with everybody. You know, we've all been dropped on our head as a baby. And, you know, you know I, I've got my bits and pieces, you've got yours. So I, we're not the same and God has made us, you know, as a church, as a, as a body. And that's, that's what we're all about. We're, we're all different. And that's why God's love is so needed. That's why the Holy Spirit is so needed to help us. That's why prayer and faith is so needed. And I think we need to, please don't feel that I'm talking to you, I'm talking to myself. We need to humble ourselves and, we, and don't think it has to be all our way. And, and we just have to pray for the Holy Spirit to intervene. Um, John and I were having a meal um, in a restaurant and somebody's watch went ping and she's next to our table and she said, oh, the Queen has just died. I knew I'd be upset when the Queen died. She was one of my heroes. And people who know me well would actually realised the sacrifice I made. I actually missed my pudding in the restaurant um, because I was so upset. And as we were walking away, my heart broke for Harry and William in their disagreement. And I was so upset because I thought Harry hadn't made it to his grandma on time. What I found out later was that actually none of the grandchildren had made it in in time but you know that, it, that just upsets me I don't know them personally but and maybe some people have got all sorts of other you know if you look on social media which I try not to get too involved in there's all sorts of theories about it we don't know what on earth it's about but all I can say is destructive it, it, it's, it's spoiling them it's spoiling the family, and I feel heartbroken over it. What God has been saying to me over the last few weeks while I've been cogitating this is, where does all of this come from? And for me, it comes from my heart attitude. I don't think I actually cut up rough with anybody in this church. I don't know. Somebody might come up to me afterwards and, and remind me of something for which I would like to be uh, you know, sit down and, and chat about it. I don't think on a regular basis that I cut up rough, but it's my heart condition that is in serious need of God's help. Um, my thought processes sometimes stagger me. And it's been in preparation for this that I've been thinking, oh Lord, how could that ping of nastiness fling into my mind. It's not where I want to be. 
I, I, I've actually felt really humbled by God. God has been doing a work in my life about this. Um, it's actually also made me look at other things as well. I didn't stay in a car park longer than I should have done the other day. Um, I, was, I actually went and paid for another car park um, because I thought, well, God is actually looking at every bit of me, not, not just... Anyway, that's another thought. But Examine your heart condition. Somebody, when I did have um, a problem with somebody, somebody was preaching and they said, hang a piece of string up, tie some knots in it, and every time touch a knot and, and pray for that person. I don't know where the knot bit came in, but anyway... There were two people in my life that I, I was upset about. I hung this piece of string around a light switch, and I, and I did every time I saw it as I got dressed in the morning. I prayed, hey, presto, the Lord did a mighty work. Um, I just want us to have... I'm, I'm, there will be prayer team out here, but I, I don't want you all feeling that you've got to crawl out in front of everybody and start confessing, you know, where you've had a bust up with somebody. I, I would like you to do a little bit of work with the Lord right now in your seat. If anybody wants to come out and, you know, talk about having something, their hemorrhoids healed or something, that would be great afterwards. But um, for now, oh, nobody would want to do that either, would they? But... Um, for now, if we could just take a moment and really do some... The Heavenly Father, I just thank you for what you've done in my life in the, in the preparation of this, Lord. You've turned my thought processes upside down, Lord. And I pray that this would be lasting and that it would be a journey for me, Lord. And I pray for everybody now, as we just have a few moments to ourselves to do business with you, Lord. Show your power, O Lord our God. Show your power. Come, Holy Spirit. Pour out your love upon us, Lord. We so desperately need it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, do you want another one? Do you want these? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they look great. Actually, go for it. (laughs) 
Earlier uh, in the service and before Kate brought this word, and I wasn't sure whether it was Scott and a lovely picture of autumn and it's time for putting gardens to bed and things like that, or whether it's more. So I just held it for a while, and with Kate talking, I, I really sense that God is saying that there is a continuation of a message here, mm. and I really sense the Holy Spirit here this morning, and He is saying there are things of the past that have not been put to bed. In this church, relationships, whatever it might be, there are things of the past that have not been put to bed and are a stumbling block to him and the Holy Spirit working in this church as he desires to do. Malachi 1.7 You have placed defiled food on my altar, but you ask, have we defiled you? And I believe God is saying what you are bringing is not all that it could be because it is lacking. It is, it is um, not the fullness of all of who you are, who you've been created to be because of what you hold on to. And you have not asked for his forgiveness. You have not gone maybe to those who require your forgiveness to them, reconciliation. So... I'll just lay that before you and whatever it might be that as we just pray now actually may I, may I go one step further and say if it is if you hold anything if you hold anything in your heart whether it be to do with this church in the past or whether it be regard anything in your life and you are feeling father this is a burden to me would you stand now please because God asks us to repent and turn and face the other way to lay things before him and that takes an action that takes trust that takes bravery as Peter was called to step out of the boat it is not um, an inaction just a thought it is yes Lord I want to So if there is anybody here and you're thinking, yes, and I even think of myself and the two daughters I have that are estranged to me and it hurts me. And I, Lord, I, whatever I have done, which I do not know, Lord, that might distance them from me, Father, I step forward and I say sorry for being not the father that maybe I could have been. But Lord God, bring them back to me, please. Mm. I say for this church, as we said weeks ago, that the Holy Spirit was around this church saying, will you let me come in? Will you let me come in? And the decision is ours. God will not impose himself on us. And I, I don't know about you, but I want him more than anything. And we see him in revelation and we see the majesty, the almightiness, the awesomeness of God. Let us not reduce him to the size of a little Sunday service in Minchin Hampton. And go, actually, you are the almighty God, the creator of all things. And I don't want my offering to you to be defiled in any way. Mm. I want all of me to be pure mm. and before you. So, Father, as we just come before you now. We lay ourselves before you, whether we are standing or seated. 
wherever we are, Father God, in our journey with you, I pray, Holy Spirit, enable us to recognize your promptings, whether here now in this moment or when we leave this place and during this coming week. Father God, enable us to know those things that rest in us that you wish to put your finger on and for us to allow you to do that, to heal us, to restore us, to work in us, and then work through us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, thank you very much indeed for your loving attention this morning. And uh, I, I believe that we are a work in progress. Uh, when the Lord has been dealing with me, Unfortunately, I have not yet reached perfection. Um, it's bit by bit, but we've made a start. So I pr continue to pray for you. Thank you. <laughs>